With Hashem's assistance, we're learning Kedushan of Mem Zayin, page 47. We begin the last two words of Mem Vav Mem page 46b. Amar Rav Rav says, Leishanu Ela Da Amar La Bizu Ubizu Ubizu. The case in the Mishnah where we said that if she eats them one after the other, that it's going to be considered separate, and therefore you're going to have to have a Shavapruta in one of them. So that's only where you said it, bizu, 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 this one and this one and this one. Aval Amar La Be'elu, let's say at the onset he said, I'm marrying with all of these. Even if she eats them one at a time, as he gives them to her, she's still considered married. They can, in other words, you can combine them. Why? Because in such a case, it's not considered that he's giving it to her as a milva, as a loan, but rather it's considered that he gave them all of them at once, and therefore it's considered hers that she's eating already, and therefore they can indeed all combine, despite the fact that she's eaten them. Tanikaba say the Rava, we have a Brisa that proves this statement of Rava. This is a little bit involved Brisa. It's gonna be a long time or a little bit of a long time until we get to the proof. Let's say a man says to a woman, be married to me with an acorn, with a pomegranate, or with a nut. Or he said to her, be married to me with these. If in all of them, meaning if you combine them all, they have the value of a pruta, then it's considered, they're considered married. But if not, they're not married. Let's say he said, be married to me with this and this and this. As long as they all have the value of a pruta, so they can combine indeed to create a pruta and she'll be married. But if not, they're not considered married. Let's say he said, I'm married to you with this. She took it and ate it. And he said, I'm married to you with this. He didn't say a separate word, I'm married to you. He said, I'm married to you with this, she eats it. With this, she eats it. And again, with this, and again with this. So in such a case, it's considered that she's separated, they've separated the act- the actions, and therefore, only when one of them has a Shavapruta in it, will be considered that they're going to be married. The first case that we spoke about in the Brisa here, so what is the case where he gave over the alon, the acorn, the pomegranate, and the egos? What's the case exactly? If the case is where he said, either with an acorn, or with a pomegranate, or with a nut, if they all can, they can all combine to be a pruta, and they'll be married, the case is where he said, or... Meaning he separated them. It must be the cases where he said uh, an acorn and with a pomegranate and with a nut. So that's the same as the case later on in the Mishnah, in the Brisa. Must be the cases. We said with these. Meaning he said at the onset, I'm marrying you with these. And then he said, and then he gives her the alon, the acorn, the pomegranate, and the nut. So the Gemara says, Hamid Diktani Seif. It says in the next case, Or if he said to her, Be married to me with these. And we can deduce that the first case is not talking about with these. So Gemara answers, farish. We're explaining, the second case is really come to explain the first case. Be married to me with an acorn, with a pomegranate, with a nut. Okay, so what's the case? For example, where he said there, be married to me with these. Now, now let's take that and let's keep going with it. The Katani Seif, what does it say in the end? Bizu, if he said with this one, she took it and she ate it. So in the case where he said bizu, 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 but it was separated by eatings, so then it becomes separated and therefore we can't connect all the different things that he's given and combine them to get a pruta, but rather only if one of them has a pruta, then she's considered married, but if not, not. But in the first case where we said we don't make a difference whether she actually ate it or whether it was sitting in front of her. Shmami na, so here's the final finally the proof. We can deduce from here 
Whenever the man says to her, I'm marrying you with these, and then he gives it to her, even if she eats it, she's eating from her own thing, and therefore you still can combine them, and therefore she's considered married. Shmami, no, it's a good proof. Just as a little bit of an understanding of this, I have written down in my Gemara from about probably nine or ten years ago when I was learning this in Shifa Frakway. So Rabbi David Kleinkaufman, who was my Rebbe there, so he explained this, that what's happening, well, how does it work? If she's already eaten it, how can it combine with the other ones that she's only getting afterwards? So Rabbi David Kleinkaufman explained that the way it works is you're not actually combining the fruits that you're giving her, but you're combining when you give it to her, so you've given her some value. There's a matana that took place. That action still exists in the world. That matana still exists. So you're actually combining the the actions of giving. When you combine those actions of giving and they total up to a Shavaputa, to the value of a Puta, then she can be considered married. Now the Gemara goes back to something which we said all the way at the beginning of the Gemara, right after the Mishnah on Dafmen Vavel and Aleph, page 40, 46a. So there we had a, an argument between Rav and Shmuel and Rabbi Ami about what is the case in the case where we're talking about where she's eating them one by one. Is that going on the first case of the Mishnah, which was talking about a case where he said to her, you are married to me with this one, and you're married to me with this one, and you're married to me with this one, and each time she's eating it? Or is the case going on the case where he said, you're married to me with this one, and this one, and this one, and each time she's eating it. Okay? So now the Gemara is going to say like this. Honey, Our Brisa works out very well according to the one who says that the Mishnah, when it's talking about the case of her eating one by one, is going on the second case, which is the case of her, where he said, Ubezu, be married to me with this one, and this one, and this one. And what do we mean when we said that one of them has to have the Shavapruta, that value? We said that it's going on the last one having that value. So we could explain our Brisa here as well, that the last one has to have that value. However, but according to Rav and Shmuel, who both say, that it's going back on the first case of the Mishnah, where he said a separate statement of Hiskachi, be married to me. For each time he said, with this one, meaning he said, Hiskachi li bezu, be married to me with this one, and then she eats it. Then he said, be married to me with this one, and she eats it. So, what's the case? And the reason that we said it was a chilesh was because even though he's, he's giving her to eat, and she's enjoying the food, and he's been mekarv hanayasa, he's making her, her enjoyment closer, nevertheless, we said it's still not considered that she's going to be married. So, right, so, so what does that mean? That means that only in a, when do we consider them separate things, separate statements, only when he says, he says a separate statement of, you're married to me, on each and every one. So, so the case of our b'risa, and we're saying that it's considered separate, but what's the case of the b'risa? The case of the b'risa is where he said, you didn't make a separate statement of, be married to me, for each and every time you said, with this thing, but rather you said, only one time be married to me. So, according to Rav and Shmuel, so this is a case where they should be able to combine. So, what's the understanding of this b'risa? Sigmara answers, Hamani Rebihi. This last shita, this last idea in the Brisa is Rebbe. The Amar he holds differently. He holds however you say it. If you say, um, this is talking about a shua by a swear. If you're making a swear and you only say the word swear one time and it's going on a kezayis on some kind of olive. So even if you say olive and you say olive, you say and olive. So any way you say it, even if you don't say a, uh, a shvua, that it's a swear, on each time that you mention the thing that you're making a swear on, it's considered separate. So since it's Rebbe, he holds indeed they are separated. That's why he would hold indeed in this case, even Rav and Shmuel will be moded, they'll agree that in this case, this Brisa holds in this third case of the Brisa, that it's Rebbe who holds that they are indeed separated, even though you haven't made any kind of statement to show you're separating them. And thus, only if one of them separately has some kind of the, the value you need in order to be married, will they be considered married.
The Gemara continues. Amar Rav. Rav says, Hamakadish b'milva. Someone who tries to get married with money that he's lent a woman ain't a mekudeshes. So it's not considered married, even though the money may have not even been used by the woman yet. Why milva leitzanidna? Because when he gives her the money, it's meant to be used right away. Therefore, it's not it's still considered that it's his money. It's now transferred into her possession. It's considered her money, and he can't marry her with her money. Let us say that this is like machogis tanoim, an argument between two tanoim. Hamakadish b'milva. Someone who tries to get married with money that he's lent a woman ain't a mekudeshes. It's not good. Those who say that one of the Tanaim says that indeed it is considered that they're married. My love, perhaps that this is what they're arguing about. That the one who says that they're not considered married is because he holds that when you give the money, it's given over to be used right away. Therefore, it's considered that, that it's hers. The one who says that they are considered married is because he holds that the money is not considered that it's hers yet as long as she hasn't used it, and therefore he can marry her with that money. Now the Gemara says, wait, that doesn't make any sense. What does it say in the end? That they agree both the first and second shita, the one who says that they are considered married, and the one who says they're not considered married, they agree in regards to a purchase, that if you try to use the money that you've lent to somebody to, to purchase something, it does indeed work. And if it would be true that the, that one of them holds that the money that you've given over to be lent is no longer considered in the possession of the person who's lending the money, so so how is he acquiring that thing? Why, why is it better by a mecher, by a sale? Um, Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says like this, our friend explained this in a totally different way. What's the case? What's this milva that we're talking about? He said to the woman, be married to me with this hundred dollars. And what does she find? She cancels the money and there's a dollar missing. So he still owes her that dollar. One holds the one who says that they're not considered married because she's embarrassed to ask for that last dollar. And therefore she doesn't depend on this money. She hasn't gotten the money and therefore she doesn't agree to give herself over because he said it's going to give her a hundred dollars and he didn't. The other one holds, no, she is considered married. You know why? Because she's not embarrassed to ask for that last dollar. So even though he still owes her a dollar, but she, she will go and ask for that dollar. Therefore they are considered married. She gives herself over to be married. So the Gemara says, wait, that this that Rabbi Lazar said, this is an Amor speaking, be married to me with $100. And all he gave her, what did he do? He gave her not $100, he gave her only one dinar. So he still over owes her 99 So they're considered married. And, and, she's got, and he's got to pay her off. So why doesn't Rabbi Lazar say that he's saying something which is actually the if indeed that's the understanding of that b'raiso? Amri, so we say, there's, a, there's totally different the cases. Where you have $100 and you're minus $1, so there a woman would be embarrassed to ask for that last dollar. Everyone would agree that if the man said he's going to give her 100 and only gave her was one, no woman is going to be embarrassed to ask for the 99 that he still owes her. And therefore, everyone will agree, according to Rabbi Lazar, that in fact they are considered married and she does indeed depend on the fact that she's going to get the money in the end. Now the Gemara says Meisve. We're asking a question on Rav. Rav said that if you try to marry someone with money that you borrowed, that you lent to her, you can't do that. We have a bride that seems to say not that way. Let's say a man says to a woman, be married to me with the thing that I gave you that's in your hands. A certain object, let's say, that I gave you in your hands. And she went and she looked for it and she found that it was either stolen or lost. If there's anything left of it that has a value of a pruta, then they're considered married. But if nothing is left, it was completely stolen or completely lost, they're not considered married. However, if let's say we're talking about money that she borrowed, 
even though there's not a penny left, there's nothing left from it at all, they're still considered married. And the understanding of this, the reason why they're considered married is because she she now doesn't have to pay the money back. That's what he's saying. So now she's gotten something, and therefore they're considered married. says, in the name of Rabbi Meir, in regards to a loan, we turn to Memzaman on page 47b, it's the same thing as a Bikadin. And thus, only if there's something left are they considered married, but if there's nothing left, they're not considered married. Now we're going to go through trying to understand this price. Here the only argument has to do with in regards to a milva, in regards to a loan. So if there's nothing left, according to one of them, so they are considered married. And the other one holds no. Only if there's something left are they considered married, but if not, not. Everyone agrees, not like Rav, that if you want to marry someone with money that you owe them, you can't. Amarava, so Rav says like this for Tisbara. You call that as far as that is that a true explanation? This this brisa is not a good brisa. There's something wrong with the brisa. Let's see. Let's see what the problem is. What's the case where you where you're being you're trying to marry her with with something that you gave her? If she accepted upon herself to have responsibility if anything goes wrong with it, then it's exactly the same as a case of milva. In a case of milva, where I lend you money, so no matter what, you're gonna to have to pay me back. So if the case of pikadon, I also have to pay you back if anything goes wrong with it. It's exactly the same as milva. And therefore, by him saying that he's going to marry her with that thing and he's not going to make her give it back, so she's benefiting, benefiting from it. And if the case is talking about where he didn't, she didn't accept upon herself any kind of responsibility, so in the Seifa, instead of saying a case of Milva, that according to the Tanakama, even if nothing is left, they're considered married. We don't even have to come onto a case of uh, a loan of money. We could say a difference even in a case of Bikadon. When do we say that there has to be something left over? Only if she didn't accept upon herself any kind of responsibility. But if she accepted upon herself responsibility, even if nothing is left, she's still considered married because she's getting the benefit of the fact that she doesn't have to pay back. So why is the Bryce talking about Pikadin and also Milva? Even Pikadin you could say a case which is similar to Milva. So the Bryce doesn't really make sense. Alatar it's hachi. So we must explain the Bryce as follows that there's a mistake in the Bryce and this is what it should have said. Ube Milva in a case of Milva, like Rav says, even if there's anything left, she's not considered married. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, I mean Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, Mishim Rabbi Meir, in the name of Rabbi Meir, Milva Rehipikadin. He holds no. A Milva is like a Bikadin. So if there's anything left, so then they will be considered married. And if there's nothing left, they won't be considered married. Now the Gemara is going to try to understand what their argument is about. What are they arguing about? I'm a rabbi. A rabbi says, I met the rabbis of the yeshiva, the Yasiv Ka'amri. They were sitting and they were saying, The argument here has to do with whether or not the people who lend money and before the money has been touched by the people who are borrowing the money, whether or not the original people who gave the money can still back out. And also in regards to who's responsible if anything goes wrong before the person who borrowed the money has used the money. That's what they're arguing about. The Marsavar, Milva Bishos, that one holds that when the person goes and lends the money before the lova touches it even it's already considered in their possession and also they will be responsible if anything goes wrong and that's why he's not going to be considered that he's married her Umar Sarver, the other one holds no. Milva Bishus Bailam Kaima. That if the if the owner wants the original person who lent the money, he still can back out. And he's also going to be responsible if anything goes wrong. And that's why that one holds, that Tana holds, that in fact you can be married with it. 
Ba'amina Luhu. So Rabbi says that I said to the rabbis who were saying this, In regards to if anything goes wrong with it, if it gets stolen or lost, everyone agrees the Rishus Leva Kaimi, that it's for sure the responsibility of the person who borrowed the money. My time, what's the reason? Like Garmi Sheila. It's no different than somebody who's borrowed something. When we're talking about borrowing an object, so it has to be returned the original object. Nevertheless, we find that there's an obligation if anything goes wrong with it. In regards to where you're borrowing money, certainly, uh, in the case where you borrow money, you don't have to actually return these dollars. You can return any dollars. So certainly there's a responsibility if the money gets lost. The only issue here has to do with whether or not if the the bailim, if the person I'm sorry, who has borrowed the money has not touched the money yet, whether the original person who owns the money, who gave the money, has the ability still to back out. According to the one who says that they can back out, so that shows that it's still considered in their possession, therefore they can get married with it. The one who says they can't is because they hold that uh, they hold you can't back out, and therefore you can, it's considered it's the person who's borrowed the money, and therefore you can't get married with that. Now the Gemara says, "Lahada Amar What about this statement of Rahuna Hashel Kardo Mechaver? Someone who borrows an axe from his friend, Bika Baikanai. Only once he's gone and chopped with it is it considered that it's transferred into his possessions, and now the person who has originally lent it cannot back out. Lo Bika But if he hasn't gone and chopped with it, so he can't back out. So that sounds like the only issue happens when he's actually gone and, and used it. It sounds like before that there's no issue. But but he should say that it's actually before you've used it, whether or not it's still considered that the bailum, the owners can back out. That's what we just said. This argument only has to do with the case where you lent money. Because you don't actually return the money in its original form. So now the question is, before he's touched it, does the person still have a right, the person who lent the money still have a right to back out. Aval b'she'ela, but in regards to lending something, the haja be'ena, you actually have to return the object as you lent it, as it was borrowed. So therefore, in that case, different hakol, bikaboy in, everyone will agree that until he's actually gone and used it, it hasn't been transferred into his possession. And therefore, everyone will agree that only if he used it will it be considered a transferred into the possession and the original owner can't back out. But if he didn't use it, Lekanai, everyone will agree that he has not gone and acquired it so, such that the person can't back out. The Gemara continues, Let us say that this is like an argument between two Tanoi. Let's say a man says to a woman, Be married to me with this document that someone else owes me money, I'm giving it to you, so now that guy will owe you money. Or let's say he was owed money verbally. And he went and he said to her that she can, she has the right to collect that money. So Rabbi Meir, Amir Mekudesh, Rabbi Meir says that they're considered married. They're not considered married. What's the case where he's giving her some document? If we're talking about a document of someone else, meaning someone else owes him money, so that's exactly the same as the case where he's giving her over money that's owed to him. The second case, maybe the case is talking about where it's money that she owes to him. And they're arguing about whether or not you have the ability to marry her with the money that's owed to him. Really, I'll tell you, we're talking about a document of someone else. Someone else owes him money. There are two different cases. One's a case where he's giving over to her a document stating that money is owed to him. And one is talking about a case where there's no document, but there was a verbal, uh, he gave over money, he lent money to somebody without a document. And he's giving that over to her. What is the argument about in regards to where where he gave over a, a document that says that money is owed to him? We can say that the first possible first possibility is that they're arguing about the argument of Rebbe and the rabbis, the time we have a brisa. We're talking about, let's say, Ruvain owes Shimon money. 
right? So there's a document stating that Reuven owes Shimon the money. Now Shimon wants to sell that document to Levi, such that Reuven will now owe the money to Levi. So now, is it enough to just give over that document? So Rebbe holds you can just give over the document, and that's enough. You don't have to write a separate document stating that Shimon has given over the loan to, to Levi. If you only gave over one document, meaning you have to write two documents, you have to give them both over. If you only gave over either the document stating that the money was owed by Reuven to Shimon, you gave that document to Levi, or you gave over a document stating that Shimon is transferring the loan to now be owed, owed to Levi. If you only gave over one of those two documents, it's no good. It's not good until you write a separate document stating that now the money is owed to Levi, and you also give over the original document stating that Reuven owed Shimon the money. Now, Marius laid the Rebbe, Marius laid the Rebbe. So the one who says that they're considered married is because the case is talking about where you actually gave over only one document. So if you only gave over one document, so according to the one who says that they're considered married, it's because this that you gave over the document is considered that you've completely given over the document, even though you've only given over one. And the one who says that, no, they're not considered married is because they hold like the Chacham and the sages who say that they're not considered that you've given over the loan. She's not received anything until she gets a document stating that she's also gotten the, the loan itself. There's two documents. The loan itself, the original loan, and a document stating that she's now it's now being transferred to her. Another possibility to explain this is the Kuliyama less the Rebbe. It could be that everyone agrees not like Rebbe. You don't. You must need a second document, not like Rebbe. Rebbe said you don't need any other document. Everyone agrees here that you need two documents. So what's the issue? Has to do with Rapapa. Rapapa. Rapapa says Haiman did zavin shtar a person who sells a document to his friend. It must be written in the second document. You're getting it and all of the things that are encumbered to it. So now the case is talking about over here where when the man gave it to her, the woman, he didn't write this line. So one holds like Rapapa that you have to write this line. So since you didn't, they're not considered married because she hasn't gotten the document properly. The other one does not hold like Rapapa. He holds that even though you didn't write it, it's considered that it's given over to her and therefore they are considered married. Another explanation. Everyone agrees like Rapapa that you have to write that extra line. And you did write that extra line. And they were arguing about the following statement of Shmuel. The Shmuel, Shmuel says, somebody sells a document which states Reuven owes Shimon money. Now Shimon sells that document to Levi. Now Shimon went on the sly and he said to Reuven don't worry you don't owe me the money anymore. It does indeed work. So even though now it was transferred to Levi and Levi should be receiving the money from Reuven, Shimon who is in the middle has the right to say to Reuven that I forgive the money. And even Shimon if he has a if he has a, an inheritor he also has the ability to be Mochel. One says that indeed that the person has the ability to be mochel, therefore she does not trust when he, when he goes and gives the document to her. She doesn't trust him. She doesn't know that if he's going to be mochel from the person who originally owed him the money, and therefore she doesn't trust. She doesn't know that she's gotten anything. Therefore they're not considered married. Unless the Shmuel, other one holds no. The person who's in the middle does not have the ability to forgive the original money, and therefore she does depend on him. The last explanation is the Kuliyama. Everyone agrees Isle the Shmuel that you can indeed go and be mochel. You can forgive the original money. They're arguing about what the woman thinks. One holds that they're considered married. Why? Because she depends on him. She says to herself, She's not, He's not going, the man who's trying to marry me, he's not going to drop me and go and forgive the other guy the money. Therefore, she depends on him. So the other one holds, No, they're not considered married because she doesn't trust him. She thinks that, she might, that he might go and forgive the original guy who owed the money.